Welcome to Because That's What Heroes Do, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. But we decided that was not enough. And now we're going to explore the television series that came out over the past few years on MCU characters. Issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy this continued exploration of the MCU universe. In this episode, we take up WandaVision Episode 3, Now in Color. I know you'll enjoy an exploration of this episode. In this episode, literally in color, we are taken to a time which I estimate to be the time of the Brady Bunch, and as it appears to be in the 70s. Uh, Wanda is visibly pregnant in a very remarkably short time frame, uh, even more remarkable when you consider that uh, Vision is not human and cannot father children. Uh, She has her condition checked by the doctor, uh, Dr. Nielsen, who tries to leave town. In an oddity, Vision sees Nielsen, uh, rather, he sees his neighbor, Herb, cutting through a concrete um, wall separating their driveways. The couple, Maximoff and Vision, are uh, build a baby room for the new baby, and they uh, go, go through the process of listing names. Wanda wants Tommy, and Vision prefers Billy. The pregnancy uh, accelerates rapidly and things go haywire in the town as Wanda's emotions and hormones rage within her. She's visited by Geraldine uh, and she tries to hide her pregnancy, but then she goes into labor and gives birth to twins. Uh, Dr. Nielsen uh, said that his attempt to go on a vacation was an attempt to escape Westview, but it's pretty clear he cannot do so. And uh, Vision later sees Herb and Agnes gossiping, and they ask Vision about Geraldine, noting she doesn't have a home or a family in Westview. As um, Maximoff uh, interrogates Geraldine about um, what she's wearing, Geraldine reveals that she knows Maximoff's twin brother, Pietro, was killed by Ultron. Then Maximoff gets rid of Geraldine by hurling her out of the house. She lands outside the bubble and um, is surrounded by sword agents. Uh, It's a pretty uh, dramatic turn from episode two, and it really sets the path for the rest of the episodes in this series. And now we're going to bring in Megan Doherty for a discussion of episode three, Now in Color. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox and Megan Doherty back for our current series, and we're exploring WandaVision today. It's WandaVision Episode 3, now in color. First of all, welcome back, Megan. 
Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. The series, in my estimation, really picked up with three, and it really dynamited forward with four, which we'll get to in our next episode. But there was one thing I really wanted to start off our conversation visiting with you about, which was we saw Wanda's powers in episodes one and two, and we see them again in episode three. They are either not fully formed or she can't control them. And it struck me that now that I sat and watched it straight through, that she doesn't know she has these powers. Some of the events that happen are not intentional. Some are intentional. The power outage, I think, when she goes into labor was certainly not intentional. (laughs) That we'll talk about. But it seems like a woman who is struggling with her emotions and feelings and things are happening around her because of that. And I was wondering, I guess the flip side to that is maybe she's always known she is or will be the Scarlet Witch and she's not yet fully formed those powers. But I really got the sense of confusion. And I want to say all teenage girls go through that. I'll let you speak to that issue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I saw my sister go through that, and your body's changing, your hormones are changing, boys are changing, everything is changing, and many times you don't know how to control that or how to feel about it, and certainly I shouldn't limit it to girls, boys too, because I went through that. But I was really wondering, is it is or uh, another possibility that I thought of is she is in such a deep state of grief that she's getting just bouncing. Her emotions are all over the place. I've never gone through really deep grief, but as in the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child, but obviously I've grieved parents or ends of marriages, that kind of thing. But I didn't see the kind of bouncing around like I see here. And I just maybe wanted to start off by asking you, what were your thoughts on any of those? Or did you see things even in a different direction? noticed something pretty similar about this episode. This was the first of the episodes in this series where I think she started to gain some kind of an awareness about her ability to control. Because as you pointed out, there were definitely things that she was causing to happen that she didn't intend to happen. There was making the butterflies in the mobile come to life when she said fluttering. There was creating the stork and trying to disappear the stork. And and then the power outage, of course, she didn't intend to do those things. But she also did enforce her will a lot more on what was going on in, in... changing Vision's direction of conversation and getting rid of Geraldine slash Monica. So I think she's coming becoming aware that she is special to this place in some way, or this place is special to her in some way. I don't know if she fully understands how yet, because I think of neighbor Agnes, which maybe we can get to in a little while. But as for the cause of all of it, I think you were, you're onto it with the deep grief. I didn't get so much of it as like a kind of a changing like a puberty analogy so much as based on what happened in Endgame, and this is set three weeks after Endgame, so she's recently been unblipped, the events of Infinity War where she had to kill her own lover and then lose anyway just happened in the flash of an eye. And I'd say, if anything, it is extraordinarily complex and profound PTSD <laughs> that's causing this. I don't think she... I don't think she set out to do this. She did it, but I don't think she she intended to, and I don't think she's fully aware yet of the extent to which she is controlling her environment. And that one thing I just have written down in big all caps letters here is like, they have a PTSD expert and counselor on the team who was unblipped at the same time she was. Where is Falcon? Where is her therapy? <laughs> why, why? That, that really bothered me. That wasn't addressed in any way. Why is she all alone after this happened? They were all together at 
the funeral of Iron Man, why wasn't there some support for this team member? And that's a question I would like Marvel to answer. What do you think? That's really interesting because I had not considered the PTSD. And actually, even more than the raging hormones of a teenager, I think you're right. I think it is the PTSD. I couldn't conceive of, of understand how grief could lead to this wide range of emotions. But I think that's it. In a later episode, even in this episode, vision develops some self-awareness and some questioning, and she rewinds that questioning so that it doesn't move forward. So you're absolutely right. She is using some modicum of control, and then the Geraldine example uh, was, if not a lot of control, certainly a lot of rage. And which is something you typically see in a PTSD individual. I think you're really onto something there. Maybe civilians didn't get the same sort of benefits in the United States that the military veterans did. But even Hawkeye, she and Hawkeye chatted at the end of Endgame about how horrible it was that these people they loved so much were gone. And he, in previous films, had taken her under his wing. I don't get why she was left so profoundly alone. After all of this happened, it makes me really angry. <laughs> a Hawkeye had his own stuff to deal with. His family came back. I'm delighted about that. But I just, there were resources available that I feel like were denied to her in some way. And I No, I let's, let's stay on that because I think you're on to something. Yeah. She's a woman. She's Sokovian. Is not, she had been a bad guy. She's not. A, she was a bad guy because she was on Hydra's team. But the other thing is, this was a superpower or enhancement that was done to her as part of an experiment. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're onto something that she truly is seen as an outsider, even with a group of outsiders such as the Avenger. And because of her deep love, of they may have isolated themselves unintentionally in a way because they were so profoundly committed to each other. And we certainly got that in the last couple of episodes of the movies on both sides, both Vision and she were committed. So that's a really interesting observation. And I think you really might... Beyond something there, she's always been, and I don't want to give too much away, but she always will be, at least up through the metaverse, an outsider in many ways. The things, the support groups, if we can use that, a recovery term, or other things and strategies that you might try to implement or put in place for someone who is had this has had this traumatic series of events occur to her, they don't seem to be have given her the opportunity to utilize them. Yeah, on, on the one hand, I mean, there could be an in-world explanation for it. There could be a canon reason, or we know other movies have been made. They may have just been screenwriting her into a big bad role. But I think that's why my first comment after, and I'm sure we'll talk multiverse in a future episode, um, but I, I think ultimately they did Wanda dirty. And I think it's demonstrated why in WandaVision. <laughs> okay, so now let's move to something, if not lighter, perhaps a little more positive, which is twins. And twins. do we have to assume Vision cannot father children? Although, perhaps we shouldn't assume that. And if he can't father children, did Wanda create these children as a part of her overall oeuvre, or gestalt, and then pretty quick gestation to birth, period? <laughs> Which did provide some interesting comic relief. 
Yeah, I like the fruit metaphors. I thought that was fun. Yeah, I don't have any trouble believing she willed two fetuses into existence. I think based on what we are coming to learn about her powers, that doesn't seem like a huge stretch to me. Now, do they have anyone else's DNA? That's a really interesting question. Could be no. They could just be, there's a more technical word than clone, but basically little clones of <laughs> of Wanda or uh, manifestations of her will or essence. I think that's cool. Um, but yeah, I don't think, because even the vision that we're seeing is a construct, not the original vision. So if there was some kind of technological methodology to progenate, I don't think that would be at play well, here. We're always remember um, Data was a fully functioning unit. So as he told Dr. Crusher. That's true. That's true. So what about, let's get into the twins, because there's a couple of things I really loved. The first one was the discussion around naming. And you probably haven't had this privilege yet, but every baby, the parents of every babies go through this. And the guy wants one thing and the girl wants the other. And in my experience, the woman always wins or should win. But but that led to this dialogue between them, one around the names, but two, one of the great lines I've seen so far where Vision quotes Shakespeare. And I got that. Yeah, too. using that as a reason to have a son named Billy, where Wanda wants Tommy. And if we didn't know at that moment that we're going to be twins, shame on us. <laughs> so what did you think of that whole comedic scene and where that led? Oh, I thought it was great. I had uh, something a little similar had played out in my personal life recently. And the nice thing about twins is each parent can choose one. <laughs> And that's just a built-in compromise right there. It's lovely. But I loved that Shakespearean quote. It's the Seven Ages of Man speech from As You Like It, I think. And what a great choice, too, for this particular episode. All this It's a stage. We're players. And I wonder if that meant his vision know a little... Because vision is starting to become more aware of what's going on, too. And I wonder... That was very much in character. But maybe not entirely in character. Maybe it was starting to also hint at the something is wrong here, something's not right about what we're experiencing, like a nine-month pregnancy condensed into less than 48 hours, which is a little weird. I think even he as a non-native human would pick up on that one. What about the doctor who is leaving, trying to leave to go on vacation, but it turns out he can't leave? Anything about that strike you? The thing about small towns, <laughs> you just can't escape them. <laughs> And I thought that was, there was also something that was going on there, too, because Wanda was making a really big fuss about hiding her magical pregnancy. And she was saying, on with Vision, hey, don't let anyone know that this is weird. Don't make any note that this is weird. Even like when they're having the conversation with the doctor, instead of how did this happen so quickly, just how did this happen? But then when he went to fetch the doctor for the actual birth, he made no pretense whatsoever of hiding his super speed when he got the doctor on his back and hoofed it home. So I, I just thought that was interesting how Vision is much less worried about hiding any element of themselves from people in the community. And of course, the doctor was making kind of it known that, yes, he's trapped. He can't go to Bermuda. We had a, another great cookie in the form of an ad, and that was for soap. And it was for Hydra soap. And I think this is the third reference, direct reference we've had to Hydra through three episodes. And so one that was extraordinarily cool. Two... As we mentioned a little bit earlier, Wanda and her brother Pietro were basically created as enhanced humans or superheroes by Hydra by exposing them to the Vision Stone. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on 
Is it trying to convey that Hydra's behind this? Is it trying to convey that she is a creation or a construct of Hydra? Or is it just something that is way cool for geeks like us? I think it's way cool for geeks like us. And I think if it's trying to convey anything, I think it's that everything's a construct of Wanda's experiences. I think it comes from Wanda, not externally. Again, with the possible exception of Agnes. But, yeah, I think because everything in the world is from her mind in one way or another. And all of these little things, I think the ads that her brain is coming up with, they're just coming from other points in her history, things that she remembers, part of her personal past. So we have to get to Geraldine. And it was a brilliant way to introduce the woman we come to know as, uh, come to know was Monica. But who deep down we know is Lieutenant Trouble. Yes, Lieutenant Trouble. But first of all, I have to say the first scene when she opens the door and Geraldine's there with her Afro, multicolored, crocheted vest. That is so 70s. Fantastic outfit. So 70s. I was like, yeah. So that was cool. But even rewatching this, what I couldn't understand was why she let slip about Pietro. And we're going to have to give a little cookies or rather spoiler alert we're going to see pietro in another form and we'll find out why lieutenant trouble monica slash geraldine knows pietro is dead but i still don't understand why she let that slip out or is it because she doesn't understand her role yet she's just come in to the wanda universe in the west west the township and is it perhaps she just doesn't understand her role yet? I, I said a little bit differently, because I think if you remember right before that scene with Geraldine and Wanda, Agnes and Herb are outside, and they have a little conversation with Vision where they're talking about Geraldine. And they're saying, she doesn't really belong here. She's not from here. She doesn't have a family. She doesn't have a, a home. And then Herb tries to say, it's because we're all trapped. But Agnes stops him really aggressively with really don't do this language. But I think then when you get in it, it sets in Vision's mind that something is different about Geraldine and maybe some of the other people in town or maybe hit himself. But then I think it's during that conversation where Geraldine slash Monica brings up Pietro. I think that's when the switch happens. I think that's when Wanda's awareness really turns on. And she's just had the experience of birth, which I hear is a big deal. And then she has these memories brought back of Ultron, of Pietro, of Sokovia. Her accent comes back a little when she says his name. She sings to the twins in Sokovian. And then she brute forces Monica through (laughs) four walls and out through the force field. I think that was the moment of flipped. I think Monica had at least enough awareness to... try and poke the bear. That was what she was there to do, to learn, to find out what was going on. Even if she was in character, I think because she didn't have the backstory, she wasn't supposed to be there. I think she was able to niggle Wanda a little bit like that. And I think that caused the light bulb to turn on for Wanda. Because she wasn't supposed to be there, Wanda couldn't control her. Oh, very interesting. Okay, now let's get to the part where Wanda... Oh, you got more? I was just going to say, we have... No evidence yet that I can think of that she can control Agnes. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> okay, I'll just leave that yeah. one there. <laughs> uh, and it becomes more. I still say this, or I still, even in rewatching it a couple of times, the scene where she blasts Geraldine slash Monica out of there was one of the coolest. And you could just, if you, one time I even watched it, I turned the sound off just so I could watch the fury in her face build and build till she 
drew up the power to throw her through the force fields. And I just love that. It was just, to me, so dramatic. How did you feel about that mm-hmm. scene? I think it's, for me, it was the moment of you, we're not playing anymore. Or, or if we are playing, we're playing with the big boys. Now, this is serious. There's serious power at work. Because I think up until now, as you said, we, we haven't known who was the source of all of this power. But now we pretty much know that it's Wanda, intentional or not. And this is, this is the demonstration. She is one of the more powerful beings we've encountered in the MCU. I thought it was great. And just the contrast of that with her still quietness. After she was gone and Vision came back in and she said, everything's fine. It was, that was for me, yeah, it was the flip moment. It was the she's got control moment. Very cool. I have one last thing I'm going to ask you for your last thoughts, but my last one was the music Daydream Believer. I thought Mm. that was not only inspired, but nearly perfect. They're sitting there with the twins and they play as close to a ballad as the monkeys ever did. So I grew up with the monkeys, so they're still a part of that DNA. And it's not a rocker. It really is closer to a ballad. And I just thought that was perfect. What about you? My my last thing was, I think it was towards the beginning of the episode when we got the unblip shot, and that's where Monica was introduced in the hospital. And all of the, it was just a wonderful way to convey that, trauma and the terror and the chaos of half the world reappearing with no notice (laughs) where they had been left. And the animation of it was beautiful, of her face being reconstituted. But then just the shouting and the screaming and the alarms blaring. I thought it was a really powerful scene for how short it was. Yeah, I thought that was... Isn't that the only unblip we have? I think, and I haven't seen it yet, but I think there's one in one of the spaces. Okay, okay. All right. But uh, yeah, I rewatched that several times. Because I found it yeah. visually so stunning to basically... S- oh, and I just, I think this was from our You're right. next one. So spoilers, everybody. But that's- <laughs> It is from episode four, but we'll hit it there. My bad. I really enjoyed episode three. I thought it really started us on a path mm-hmm. that we're really going to enjoy going forward. Any final thoughts? No, I think that's it. And now everybody has a great preview of what we'll be talking about next time when we discuss episode four, We Interrupt This Program. All right. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as Megan and I had fun uh, re-watching WandaVision and bringing it to you. If you haven't re-watched WandaVision recently, I would urge you to do so. It's a, a great show and it certainly uh, bears uh, re-watching as well. As this is a relatively new podcast, I would ask if you would tell your friends about it, if you're a lover of all things MCU, or pass it along to anyone else who you think might enjoy it. And really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It would greatly help get out the word about this passion project around the MCU.